1: Welcome to Syrupcast episode twenty one. Happy winter.
2: Feels like Christmas. Snow has fallen. It is. It's, right. it's actually
1: snowing right now. It's the yeah. first snow of the year in Toronto. Uh, and joining me for this uh, this wonderful occasion, Douglas Soltis. How are you, sir? Welcome to four months of bullshit. Bullshit.
2: Aww. And nice James
1: so the ever the the only positive person among us.
2: Wait till we start talking about those phones. They're gonna shit all over them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. What, the mid the mid range madness?
2: No, we talk about those. let us never speak of them again.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, the predator phone is dead to us. Yeah. If you uh, the, if
0: you're a manufacturer of a mid range phone, make sure to email Jane and she will review it.
1: And be very fair. She was fair. You were I was very, very fair. very fair with those phones. And uh, I actually got an email from the guy who does the PR for the uh, ZTE phone, and he said that his client, uh, ZTE, was actually quite happy with your review. So I, uh, I guess that's a good thing.
2: Well, I did try and like see the bright side and find the positives in all those phones.
1: You um, did, absolutely. Well, yeah. as the the you ZTE should.
0: was like one of the, the better ones, wasn't it? Yeah, it well, was one of
2: those things. There was not wrong with it, and it couldn't be beat on price. Battery life was great. Except was a, I had a bone to pick, which was that ZTE has announced a Grand X phone in some variation for like over the last like two years in like a bajillion different countries. So I, when I was looking, I was trying to like read more about this phone and I had so much trouble trying to find the specific right phone because there were so many different variations of the Grand X. Mm-hmm. But um, I think, I think, I think with the one that the one that I reviewed, it's maybe exclusive to Canada, like that specific spec sheet.
1: Mm-hmm. It is. Like, it's client... like Samsung circa 2011 when they made a different. smartphone for each carrier zte actually the guy emailed me and said do you mind changing the spec sheet on your review because it said 2200 milliamps instead of 2400 yeah and and we were like what are you talking about the 22 is the only one that we could find online he's like yeah canada got 200 mega milliamps bonus like (laughs) you know because it's cold (laughs) i mean they just managed to find an extra 200 milliamps for the phone
2: yeah, I just like I just yolo. yeah and I, I tried so hard and the closest I could find was because I ended up just looking at picture after picture of ZTE phone and trying to find like wait is this the phone is this the phone and they were all the Grand X and they all looked different and the only one that I could find and I was like this is it I finally found it and then I looked at the picture of the back of the phone and it had a an eight megapixel camera instead of a five megapixel camera and I was like motherfucker this is not that same one either so I ended up going with the specs from that phone and then just changing the camera
1: well i think the next time you do that just go download z- a cpu z which is the basically the only way to verify all the not- the information for that yeah because that's what i do i i mean when like when i found out that the desire 510 didn't have a 64-bit chip in canada HC HT- i found out about it after we had written about it yeah and hdc emailed me and they were like oh by the way the north american variant of our shitty phone doesn't have a 64-bit chip and i i, I don't think that was verbatim but yeah. uh they uh they said you know we don't understand or we don't know why HTC made this decision but maybe the 410 was in lower supply and really nobody gives a shit right like yeah those... like
2: that was the only redeeming quality for that phone was that it was HTC's first 64-bit phone which then, is
1: not saying much, because the 64 no. bit niss of it doesn't make it a that's faster phone. That's like saying, phone. look
2: at this amazing stereo I have in my awful, awful, like, Nissan Versa. Like, that hey, from, like, five I had a years Nissan ago Versa. that's, like, missing a tire.
1: And it was also missing a tire. <laughs> really? No. But uh, I did blow a flat on the highway once, and it was really unfortunate and sad.
2: Predator mode car.
1: Yeah. So, let's get into... Um, Let's get into the Nexus 6, because I published my really long review this week, and you both had the pleasure of having to edit it. And uh, everybody, you know, every site who had a phone published at 1 p.m. on Wednesday. So I think our review did get a bit of, you know, it got a ton of great comments, and thank you, everybody, for reading it if you did. Um, but it was really interesting seeing how diverse the opinions were of the phone. I know you two have both used it a little. Um mm. What uh what do you guys think? I mean, is this now that the now that we can talk kind of more freely about it, is this something that you think you're going to be picking up when it goes on uh, for pre-order next uh next week on the 18th?
2: Uh, I'm not made of money so no, but um I w- I would want it.
1: So you you, th- you don't think the size is the issue. It's this it's the price.
2: The price is the issue just because I mean I said this earlier on in in, in the office is that every time I read a review of Daniel's I find something, some glaring problem with the device that I, I just can't get past that I would otherwise wouldn't have known until I just thrown my money away on it, which means that I can't actually, like,
0: <laughs> thus justifying the review. <laughs>
2: but I can't make like impulse decisions on like sexy gadgets that I want because like if I had my way, I'd just be like rubbing phones all over myself. But I read that in those reviews, and I'm like, fuck! I got something I can't, I can't get, get past, and for me, the price is too high for like the camera. Like low light performance in the camera is kind of sucky, and I'm like, I don't want to pay. Like, if I'm paying that much for a phone, I want it to be, I want it to be everything, and it doesn't seem like it is. I don't mind the size. It's just, yeah. What about you, Doug?
0: Well, the interesting thing about the camera was that it seemed like the low light performance was so bad, but their HDR Plus mode was so badass, Mm. which was weird just to see. Um, I would never use a phone that big. I, I Douglas in 2014 the end of 2014 will never use a phone that big maybe 2015 Douglas might but it's just it's just too big
1: yeah you know I was um, like I had a really good use case on the way home today where I was walking up you know the street on the sidewalk and I was listening to music and I had I had like a, a plastic bag in my left hand um, and I had my Nexus 6 in my right and I was trying to unlock the screen with my right thumb. So I was holding it like you would normally hold a phone, and I was literally just trying to get my thumb to the outer side of the screen to unlock it without using my left hand to stabilize. And I couldn't, I mean, it's really hard to do that. You have to shift the phone in your hand while you're walking, or you, know, you mm-hmm. can obviously stop walking, but I guess the whole idea is that you have this phone that limits you in the ways that you would want to use it. Yeah. Uh, and if it was the size of the OnePlus One or the HTC One I made, then it would be a lot easier. And I, I think um, I was reading Phil Nickinson's review on Android Central, and he made a good point. It's really not about the, the height of the device. The height, if, as long as a phone is well-weighted throughout, it's not a big deal if it's tall. But if it's wide, like the Nexus 6 is and the iPhone 6 Plus, you run into issues where using it with one hand is just impossible. Because your thumb can only extend so far unless you have, you know, basically a completely double jointed thumb. Also, your your fears of dropping it too, right? Yeah. Absolutely. You talked about.
2: I know. Sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, I'm just saying I'm surprised I haven't dropped it once because I've been using this for two weeks and, you know, as it's gotten colder, it's feeling more and more likely that I'm just going to let it slip out of my hand one day.
2: You said in your review that some people kind of theorized that it's like, oh well, would the size is it doesn't matter because they're trying to offload some of the the -the on-the-go functionality to your watch but that doesn't make sense to me because like one i'm not finding that i can do anything significant um on my watch that i can avoid taking my phone but you still need two hands for your watch because you gotta go like and like stab at it so i don't know like is it is it just too awkward to use on the go
1: well i mean it, it depends what you mean on the go right like two years ago I don't think there were many people using their phones while they were walking down the sidewalk. It's just a it's just a change of, of behavior. People use their phones in situations where they wouldn't have dared using them two or three years ago, and that's just that's just a cultural shift that I think people need to um, sort of reflect on and decide. Now that phones are now that large phones are ubiquitous and using them with one hand is is largely inconvenient, should we be trying to change the way that we use our phones? Is there you know, a reason that we need to use our phones while we're walking down the sidewalk?
0: Well, I think generally the technology changes us, right? So it's, it's much more likely that something's built and you purchase it without reading a review like Jane because you want to rub it all over your body. Um, and then <laughs> whatever that phone is and is designed to do and how that design is expressed, you, you, mo- you just kind of naturally like, fit your way around it or you reject it Uh, it takes a lot of conscious effort to not use things in ways that the design kind of pushes you towards because at that point just get something else like get a one-headed phone use the iphone 6 use the one m8 like use uh i don't know if you want to put the moto x in there it's at least smaller than the nexus 6
1: yeah the moto x is smaller than the one m8 yeah
0: yeah but uh yeah it's it's tough if you're like oh look at this look at how technology is evolving to the point where we have to like fight against it because it wasn't designed in a way that's useful or like you know it, to to offload stuff to a smartwatch because the phones are too big i'm like what are like what are we doing here
1: well is, i also think the other thing to keep in mind is that you know samsung did a lot of work to make the note 4 and the and previous notes, but especially this one, more usable in one hand than typical smart Android smartphones. Mm-hmm. Right, they actually rejig the UI of Android to fit in a, in a one-handed scenario when you need it, and then adjust to being a two-handed device when when you want it. And the two-handed device is obviously, uh, you know, in a situation when you aren't walking and, and you don't need to really worry about what's in in your second hand but i i'm i'm a little bit upset that google really didn't do anything with stock android 5 to improve the the one-handed usability i mean there's nothing in there not even not from a usability perspective and not from a functionality perspective so you know apple was really um proud of the fact that they in, in, introduced apis for developers that would allow two pain um you know app designs when you turn the phone into landscape or you could Mm -hmm. show more information using uh when it was in portrait because of the extra screen size android has always kind of adapted to different screen sizes but lollipop feels like there's just no considerations for the fact that so many people are going to be using this with large phones like the nexus 6 well
0: samsung touts that samsung has stuff but stock androids yeah you're right it's different
2: yeah, but it's also, like, because you said, you know, you pointed out that Apple did it, Samsung did it, like, Huawei did it with the Ascend Mate 2, like, I don't think any of those solutions are, are like, right, I don't think they're, solutions. I don't think anybody's really, I don't think anybody's really gotten it 100% right, but at least they're trying, and it does, it does help to an extent, like, it might not be super sexy, it might not be implemented in the best way, but at least it, it does go some way towards, like, easing that, that usability pain point, which is that you can't use it when you walk down the road. And it's sad, yeah, it's sad that they didn't even, it seems like they didn't even try. They're just glossing over the fact that you can't use it.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I often walk, when I walk around, I'm often looking at how other people are using their phones. I I take the streetcar every day and, you know, a, a very common use case is you're holding a pole to balance with one hand and then you're using your phone With another yeah and as you know most people i see are either still using iphones 5 or whatever um which have four four inch screens or they're using older android phones i i don't often see people using huge phones yet but i know that's going to happen eventually people are going to start buying bigger phones because that's the way that the market is moving and when that happens you know, we're going to see a lot more people dropping their phones. And I, will, I mean, I see enough people with smash screens anyway. Oh. You know, it's so... Isn't it crazy that people still use their phones?
2: Well, see, I get it to an extent that, like, not everyone can afford to replace their phone when it gets broken. But I also, yeah, it's like... I see people still using, like, people I know who, like, are still using it a year later. And that's crazy to me. It's like...
0: Well, it's no, no, because no. I think people think that like they have to get a new phone, or if they have to go to the carrier to get it fixed, rather than finding those specialty shops that will
1: do it for you.
2: Yeah, I guess.
1: Yeah, I I think there you know there is that issue. Um, obviously, price is, is a major concern, but people don't really know where to go. They you know, if they don't have an iPhone, you know if if you drop your phone and your and your Samsung phone cracks. Do you go to a Samsung store? Do you go to your carrier? I mean, Apple has that workflow pretty well sorted. Mm-hmm. They yeah. know that they've, they've educated their customers. If you have any problem with a phone, regardless of where you bought it, bring it to an Apple store and they'll help you. They'll tell you it, it'll cost money, but at least you can get a replacement there. With yeah. carriers, I mean, TELUS has done a good job with their device protection plans mm-hmm. and their one-on-one you know learning centers and all that. But I mean, generally, you don't really know what to do when your phone breaks.
2: Yeah, I think that's something that's that's been a problem for for so long. But it's it's it used to I feel not be as big an issue because I know that when I when I had dumb phones and I had like Nokia devices like ten years ago, if my phone broke, I would bring it to the shop where I bought it, which was the carrier, and I would be like, ah, "This doesn't work anymore," and they'd be like, "Oh well, we'll have to send it back to the manufacturer." But it was still like there was it was generally understood that you go to the place where you bought it because. People back then just didn't buy off-contract phones. But, but now that it's like, oh, is that a Samsung? Is that, like, an LG? Now there's that, like, that disconnect where people are like, oh, I actually don't know who fixes my phone now.
0: But the, the phones also weren't entirely glass screens. So if you dropped mm. it and it broke, you were breaking something internal so you could get away. Like, when you bring a phone in and it's just snowflakes, like, it's you know what you did. I just woke up and it stopped. I don't know what happened. The screen just cracked by itself.
2: Um, um I think it's interesting that because the phones are getting so skinny and so thin that it's gonna be it's gonna be harder for people just to keep using those phones. Like because once they once they reduce the space between the components of the display, those cracks are eventually gonna start affecting. Like I know that the Nexus 4, maybe the Nexus 4, the the digitizer and the touch screen were so close together that. If you drop the phone and the glass cracked, like that was it, like that display was broken. They were yeah, so that's close the same together. with most
1: phones today. Yeah. But, so well, that's
2: why I don't I don't get why. Yeah, and like are...
0: with the iPhone six, it's like the
1: things like laminated onto the glass, right? Like.
2: Is that the iPad yeah. six or is that the iPad Air two?
1: Oh, the no, the iPad, the iPhone has been using a, a laminated display since the four. Okay. It's the first time on the iPad, but. Mm. I mean, I also think that when we went when we broke our Nokia flip phones, we would go and they would give us a, you know, a a loaner phone that was essentially the exact same as the phone we brought in because they were all identical. Now (laughs) we have our lives in our phones (laughs) and they give you a BlackBerry torch and they're like, hey, we had this sitting in a drawer. You can use this for three weeks while we get your phone repaired. (laughs) And we're and nobody's like, yeah, great. Everyone's like, I know. Four year old BlackBerry. (laughs) No, what they say is, I dare you
0: to break that torch. I double dog <laughs> dare you to try because that thing is a. You,
1: you can throw for that through plaster. Nice phone. Well, I mean that's another thing. The reason they gave Blackberries as as loaners is, is because they you can drop those things and they never break. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean going back to the Nexus, I think that it's a really great phone. I think the real story here is how amazing Lollipop is and how much work Google's done uh, improving the overall usability of Android and how user friendly it is. Just from the First time you turn it on, you can pair it with another Android phone and transfer all of your contacts and your apps. Uh, You can quickly access your notifications from the lock screen. You can, you know, have multiple accounts on your phone. You can put on a do not disturb mode. All of these things have been in Android phones, you know, from different OEMs, uh, uh, you know, across different price points, but they've never. Been in one place and then never been available to every OEM to implement, uh, you know themselves. So this is a g- this is going to be great for uh, basically low-cost Android phones that have typically missed out on the high-end features because the uh, companies like LG and Samsung just don't want to bother putting in all those high-end features into mm-hmm. their $200 devices. Now that they're baked into Android. They can just say they can put their skin on it and say, "Okay, you know, we don't have to do anything else." Yeah, it doesn't improve
0: uh, the high end so much as it it lowers the baseline experience, right?
1: Yeah, I mean the high end stuff is also really improved because the Android runtime makes everything run smoother on older hardware as well. Uh, it has 64-bit support, so you know next year when 64-bit chips become ubiquitous, and uh, that's mostly in the low and mid mid range. High end 64-bit chips won't be available until the End of the year, but we'll start seeing kind of the successor to the Snapdragon 400, which is the 410, and the Snapdragon and the Snapdragon 615. They're both 64-bit devices and or chips, and they're mid-range specs, but they support all of these new, uh, you know, Arm V8 architecture elements that will not necessarily make everything run faster, but just you know give them a little bit more breathing room. And uh, there's all kinds of battery improvements through Project Volta. So, I mean, this is just the beginning. Android Mm -hmm. 5 looks great, but I think over time it's gonna become a really powerful, uh, good-looking OS with tons of great-looking apps that are available on devices below $200.
2: Sorry, I my thing froze, so you guys went quiet. So I was like, "Could someone ask you something?"
0: Yeah, I lost you in the feed. I thought Daniel was going for super dramatic pause mode.
2: Um, sorry, um, I missed so, the last bit.
1: Yeah, so I, I guess like this week's tête-à-tête, we're going to talk about, um, and that'll, that'll be out tomorrow, talking about uh, what what is lollipop really? I mean, if you're an Android fan, you're Obviously, going to look forward to it because it's an upgrade to a phone you currently have, or you're going to upgrade to a new device and and get it through there. But if you're an iOS or Windows Phone users, are you really looking at Lollipop going? Is it finally time to move over to an Android phone? And I I think yes. I think get, You know, finally, if you're if you're looking to get a really great Android phone, you know, you have all of the pieces now. That can move you away from iOS if you really wanted to without missing too much. Do you disagree?
2: I'm just laughing at the fact that... Well... You're like, if you're a Windows phone user, is it time to finally switch to Android? And I was like, that happened ages ago. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm just giving Jeff Broussard the benefit of the doubt, okay?
2: <laughs> Sorry. Shout out. Um,
1: yeah, uh...
0: Well, I think there are, so, you know, not to to spoil our article, but I think there are are still some pain points, but I think, as you said, they've they've eliminated a lot of the pains that you would have. And, you know, I think the most interesting thing is the fact that, you know, the, the power and the functionality is still there, but they've got a presentation layer that is appealing to the general populace, not people who are looking to... Build the phone into the way that they want it first and foremost. Um, it it can be like just the 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 basic setup is one that is convenient and useful. But then there's still a lot of utility there. I think that's that's yeah. the most important thing. But you know the app situation. I, I spend most of my time, you know, in apps. Mm-hmm. The the as you know as uh, platforms evolve, the operating system becomes less and less important, and the. Applications which run on it, like kind of take over, and you know, if if app quality is suffering, then you know why would you want to use the the not best version of all the apps that you spend all your time in? Now, whether that's the case, like you know, stay tuned for the post tomorrow. But I think I think that is maybe the final frontier.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I so. I mean, and that's, that is and major, then just, that, just that for is, everyone.
0: Just like, and then th- that's also ignoring like all the benefits that Android just has over top other platforms. We're just talking about uh, pain points.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think if you if you don't like iOS and you like Android, this is just going to reinforce your your beliefs. I, I really you know when I when I hear about people saying, oh, I don't like Apple because of you know X Y Z decision. That they made with iOS. I'm like, well, have you used iOS 8? Like, have you really, have, when was the last time you actually spent some time with an iOS device? Because it's, it's certainly, you know, much more powerful and capable uh, than it used to be in terms of things that Android users took for granted, like extensibility mm-hmm. and continuity and, st- and stuff like that. I mean, continuity is something, you know, that works so well that you just forget about it until it's there and you're like, "Oh wow, I can transfer all my documents seamlessly um in real time." And uh I guess these are these are kind of value adds that Apple brings to the table uh and we'll hear about, you know, Samsung doing a similar thing in a bit. But I just think overall Android has become so good at making itself known across different screen sizes i mean we haven't spoken about the nexus player but i was using that a little and that's the the 99 set-top box that google sells or it's 109 in canada but they sell it and it's the first android tv power device and developers don't really have to change their apps very much they just have to kind of modify it add a few you know large screen assets so that they can put it on the play store but ultimately i mean it's still very much an android Machine, and you can play games and access apps and whatever. I mean, I think that's really the beauty of it is that they developers can just deploy one app across multiple screen sizes with material design pretty easily.
0: Yeah, so I think it's oh, go ahead. Sorry, no, go ahead. Well, I just think going back to our previous conversation, just I think for me, the big thing is it seems like you know, Google considers its uh, with the Nexus line and, and phone design is there, they're just delivery mechanisms for big screens which gives you more Android which is their focus but a, a lot of the issues that you are talking about come from the design of the phone itself, the physical hardware, the fact that the, the phone isn't just the delivery mechanism for the internet but is a functional piece of your life and um, I still haven't found the right phone to switch over to Android on cuz I'm comfortable with Android like it's 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 pretty good but I, I my my touch point my interaction point with Android I haven't found the one that's right for me yet so maybe that phone is the the Moto X with uh bamboo so if there was anyone listening to this podcast that might be interested in confirming if that would be the best phone for me and know who I am and could reach out, that would be great. (laughs) Guys. Maybe that phone
2: (laughs) is the Z3 Compact or the Xperia Z3 because those phones are also beautiful and well-made.
1: As long as they're not in the colors that Daniel decided to purchase. (laughs) Oh, bite me. Oh, that
2: green is lovely. The green is so nice.
1: So, just for the record, I bought a lime green Xperia Z3 Compact. It's more of a mint
2: green, but okay.
1: I was going to say aquamarine, but...
2: No, it's not aquamarine for sure. It's
1: not what are you blind? It's like it's Probably. like a boxed
0: wine that's gone that's gone bad uh, months <laughs> after people should have stopped drinking it.
2: Douglas is slagging me off for drinking <laughs> boxed wine months no, no. after I purchased it. It's, yeah, it yeah, was great last it, week.
0: It's the months after you purchased it, not the boxed wine part.
1: Yeah, she was hoping to get away with not saying that. Yeah. But no, I, I
2: said she... months after I purchased it. No, it was I. I'm more than happy to admit I purchased it in July. Last week it still tasted fine. It's been get me through every podcast. Anyway, uh-huh. this week it doesn't taste fine. It tastes like vinegar. Sorry, Good. Daniel. Let's give us a look at those phones.
1: So, uh, if you're watching the video podcast, this is this is it. I've been reviewing it. Uh, it's a 4.6 inch device. I love it. I love the size. I've been using the Z3 as well, and I like that size too. And that's metal, and this is not. But personally, I prefer the size um, of the Z3 Compact over the Z3. I also think that. Um, Doug's point about how the hardware has not quite caught up to Apple in many ways. The, the Moto X to me would be the perfect phone if it had a good camera. And that's really the, the, the stinging point about an app, an Android device is that none of the Apple devices have um, any, anything to worry about when it comes to camera, uh, mm. like a, a competitor reaching them in, in terms of camera. An 8-megapixel camera may sound lower on paper, but somehow no Android device has been able to do for me what an iPhone 6 Plus has been able to do for me across all uh, potential use cases. We're talking good light, bad light, indoors, flash, any possible photo you could think of taking, the iPhone excels. And... That is just. I've done tests. I've done comparisons, and the iPhone wins every single time. Yeah. The and only phone that even comes close is the Nokia Lumia 1020, but that is not. I mean, that doesn't even enter into it because that's a camera more than a phone.
0: Yeah, and and, and you know, like unpacking my previous thought, you know, when I am looking at phones, the two things for me are screen and camera. Like mm-hmm. so, that that's probably is 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 a, is a lot with it. Although you know the. Uh, the Alpha's camera was pretty decent. Did
1: a pretty good. Oh, sorry, yeah, I mean,
2: so, sorry, go ahead.
1: The this, Samsung makes their best cameras on Android for sure, but uh, their low light photography is just nowhere near what Apple is doing. I don't know what magic sauce is in that, um, but somehow Apple just seems to be able to extract a better photo from from you know less light.
0: Yeah, like the fact that I went around Ireland with my iPhone five and took just, like, great. Like, just the photos that I was able to take with that
1: were just so impressive. Better. But. But but, Android 5 actually has a much more capable camera API, and I think that developers will be able to access more of those sensors. And there's a, there's a pretty good overview in my Nexus 6 review about what the... T- default camera app can do versus what a third party camera app can do accessing the new camera API. And when you have manual controls and you really want to spend time with it, I think that there's going to be a lot of potential there. So
2: but not a lot. Not I, I would argue that most people don't want to spend a lot of time with their pictures and like tweaking manual controls. Yeah, that's, 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 situations, that's, yes, that's like
0: the total classic example of the approach where they like, Android has deep features for you to change every setting you need to get the perfect exposure. And I'm like, I can trust this phone wherever I go to point and shoot and get a great photo. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm on top of a mountain in Ireland holding my iPhone in panoramic mode and coming up with just something that's going to look great.
1: Um, yeah, 100, 100%. And I, I really hope that Google hears the criticisms of the default camera app and makes some adjustments. Because right now, it's too limited. It's limited to 1 over 10. Uh, One tenth of a second shutter speed and twelve hundred ISO, which is too low and too low, and uh, there's no re- there's no reason for that. It's it's just Motorola being conservative.
0: Well, but but you know I think camera is a really good example, um, and you know prior to like the evolution of phones where we got kind of like system on a chip and like the radio stuff, those used to be kind of really important but now the thing where it's a a really great advantage to be making the hardware and the software is the camera because that that's one spot where the the interaction between the hardware and the software is like at its most important both in terms of like how the sensors are working but then also how like those half second like you know the user interface in the app itself to take advantage of that stuff like that takes a lot of fine-tuning um, and if you have one company, you know, making the choices on the, the lenses and the sensors and how that's going to work, and another company offering up a, a generic experience, it's just not going to be honed in the way that it should be
1: or could be. Yeah, I. I but I also, you know, Apple has no more advantage uh, than Google in this sense because Apple doesn't make the sensor. Su- yeah, the they don't sensor. make the own sensors you know they actually just procure a sony sensor and while it may be a custom-made sony sensor it's no better a sensor than the imx 214 on the uh, on the nexus 6 nor the imx 240 on the uh, galaxy s5 or the note 4 you know has the, the,
2: the has the camera on the z3, the z3 it's,
1: it's good but it's also hampered by soft by poor software i mean there's far too much sharpening on all of the photos. Um, it should be better than it is, considering that Sony makes the sensor, the uh, and and has access to improving the Android the Android uh, camera API itself. Like their photography chops should be way better than they are. Hmm. So I haven't tested it really in depth because I haven't. I was waiting for this weekend to do that. But um, from what I've seen, the Color saturation is a little bit off. The shutter speed's a little bit slow. Sometimes the camera crashes, which should never happen. Like, there's just little things that I'm disappointed in. Yeah. But overall, I mean, it's a good camera. It's a really good camera. It's a high resolution, it's 20.7 megapixels. So, uh, BlackBerry did some shit this week. Uh, Doug, do you want to go over some of the shit that BlackBerry (sighs) did? Do. Okay. Um. Because Bez 12 was announced, or it was now available.
0: Yes. Okay, so I guess Bez 12 is the best way to get into it. So BlackBerry, in deciding that it would like to exist as a company still, um, this decade and maybe the next, uh, has shifted to be an enterprise services company. Being an enterprise services company requires you to have enterprise services. (laughs) So the the big lead-up for them at their, uh, I think... Portfo- enterprise portfolio launch event which is an interesting name is launching a portfolio of enterprise services all of which in some way connects to bez12 which is their uh mobility management software so the tools for it admins at companies to hang on oh go ahead i just have to do your thing i'm going to talk about blackberry
2: Okay, tell me about uh,
0: it. <laughs> so it's it's Talk boring to me, Doug. Yeah, well, so it's it's the software that they that IT admins use to uh, roll out devices in the enterprise or to manage uh, BYOD devices, bring your own devices from employees, and manage yeah. all the software on them, uh, secure information, basically lock it down. Uh, this has been a huge source of revenue for BlackBerry in the past, and uh, Bez Twelve is kind of the tool that allows them to merge not only management of legacy BlackBerry uh, OS devices but also BlackBerry 10 devices because uh, previously you'd have people having to run um, two Bez setups to manage
2: which is ridiculous yes
0: which is a little ridiculous but um, Bez 12 is also this cool platform that is now plugging into a variety of other services so everything that you've seen with like BBM Protected, BBM Meeting, um, their partnership with Samsung for the Knox uh, stuff, um, as well as agreements with Salesforce, and I'm rem- forgetting the name of the video company, um, where, oh. I'm just trying to think, uh, whatever, it's Friday. You can read the post I wrote it up, but so they are kind of wrapping this round uh all other enterprise services to be kind of the uber control and additional security uh touch point for enterprises uh they're trying to make it as difficult as possible for an i t admin to say no to bringing that in and allowing it to control anything that's uh the, the IT people at a company would need to through it uh, to keep it locked in, and it's when you look at their portfolio stuff. Like some of it's like really dumb, uh, or not dumb, uh, not interesting or pertinent to us. Like new new ways of doing two factor authentication where you don't need a, like a VPN key because you can do it through your credentials, and mm-hmm. BlackBerry handles the authentication. Like it it all makes sense for the company that they're trying to be. Um, yeah, it was it was, for in terms sure. of like you know dropping the mic of a portfolio of services. Pretty well done.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I, I think the stocks improved um as a result of Chen's announcements. I mean they seem they seem measured. You know, there there was an a barrage of press releases and announcements mm-hmm. this week, but what they say is that BlackBerry has its priorities straight. There was one device yeah. announcement, mm-hmm. the classic. Yep. And um everything else was we're going to make your enterprise experience better, even if you're not using a BlackBerry phone. So, BlackBerry Meetings, for example, mm-hmm. will be available on iOS, Android, Mac, Windows, and yep. BlackBerry phones. Yep. Um, and then there's BlackBerry's partnership with Samsung, which is really interesting. Tell us about that.
0: Uh, well, okay, so I touched upon it briefly, but so Samsung has their own enterprise uh, security-grade software for Samsung-only devices, called Knox. With Knox 2.0, I believe, earlier this year, they signed an agreement with Google to take some of those baseline security features and roll them out across uh, L- Lollipop in its entirety. But if you want yeah. the good stuff, you have to be using a Samsung phone. Samsung and BlackBerry, once hated rivals, have now partnered so that uh, Nox can be an extension uh, within Bez 12, so that you can use... Uh, Bez12 to manage uh, Samsung devices, uh, take advantage of Nox additional security features, which uh, deal with like uh, I haven't dug too deep into it, but a lot of it is like a very much like Android specific type security things around this package of uh, Blackberry's encryption, security, and then management tools, um, which is pretty cool. I think the bigger deal, in fact, is that uh, Blackberry. Because of the partnership, Samsung will uh, sell Bez twelve to their customers when they're selling Knox. So it's like, hey, you know, we have this. We want to get into enterprise as well. We have this Knox thing. If you have Samsung devices, and then also if you're if you're Bez inclined, you can buy Bez twelve. And I think that's great for them because the more people BlackBerry has selling the things that make them. Uh, money for them, the better off they'll be. I think the uh, with the Salesforce integration, that's a that's a really big deal too.
1: Yeah, there, there's there's something very smart about these uh, these partnerships. I, I I think, you know, we we heard of Mo Virtue, Mo, their um, Mo Virtue, partnership yeah. with Mo Virtue. We heard of their acquisition of SecuSmart. I mean, yeah. these are all things that you were like, no. This, so it was uh, a,
0: it was a partnership with SecuSmart and an acquisition of Mo Virtue.
1: So yeah. one of the Oh my bad, yeah, sorry.
0: One of the um announcements that they had was and I'm whiffing on the name, but uh it's basically a rebranded Movercy which allows uh a company to provision a second phone number to a device. So for people bringing devices in the enter- enterprise, you can have uh your work your phone number on that and the the important thing there is that because it's provisioned separately, they can track any work phone calls, uh, data use, or text messaging in your work life can be tracked so that in, for example, in like the state of California, where it's a law that employees get reimbursed for any cost to them, uh, any work costs on their or personal phones can be tracked and managed. And it also is a second layer of security. So like, just the speed in which they're able to turn that around, like... Um, like, like you said, it, it seems like they have uh, their ducks in a row. Um, you know, what, how BlackBerry Classic plays into that, um, <laughs> you know, we, I don't know if we even want to do that on this podcast, but in terms of, like, uh, an enterprise services company providing uh, services, like, it's pretty cool. Uh, I haven't spent time using um, Balance at all. Is Balance It? I'm, I'm just whiffing on names. No, BlackBerry Blend blend thank you uh yeah balance is something else uh i haven't spent any time with it but it, it seems really cool um and bbm meetings as we said before uh like the ability for your phone to call you to immediately join you to the yeah, meeting you have scheduled is is great like yeah thank you for finally solving something that's been plaguing us for 15 20 years um for
2: sure
1: I mean, I, I think most people who are listening um, will probably be interested in talking about the classic a little. Uh, Four ninety nine for uh, the, the the phone outright. It'll probably be about ninety nine on contract, or maybe even free, depending on the carrier. Yeah, um, it's not a powerful phone in comparison to the Passport. It's actually got the same specs as the Xperia Z, sorry the Xperia, the um, BlackBerry Z thirty. So start looking in the right place with LinkedIn. You can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash/achieve today. I believe. Yeah. So not a not a weak phone by any means, but you know, it, it's, if you're if you're comparing specs, it's not an up to date device. But you don't really need it on BlackBerry 10. And uh, people are going to go nuts for these uh, keys again. Those ridiculous, okay. unnecessary toolbar or toolkit keys. Okay. But there you go.
0: Okay, okay. So I can't I can't write like a 3,000-word review about a year-old iPad and say the specs aren't as important as the experience and then criticize BlackBerry for having a two-year-old chip in a 2014 phone because it's about the experience. Yeah. What I can criticize is the, their desire to pursue an experience that so far has netted them little revenue in the past 3 uh years. I don't I I know that there's been hype. I think because they're calling it the classic, there's like this weird retro it's like, "Oh cool." You know, like on our podcast last week, they're bringing back the Walkman. Wonder what that's going to be like. And everyone's going to be like, "Oh yeah, it's still a Blackberry. Yeah. It's it's the friggin' Q10. It's the Bold 9900. Nobody bought those. What makes this any different? Like, what what makes it because any different? Because
1: there's a very specific use case, and Chen said that he believes that there are a bunch of bold 9900 users who are holding on to those devices because of that, uh, that toolbar, and they're the ones who are going to update to the Classic. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't sound like it's going to make them a ton of money, but at least... They're appealing to a certain demographic of people.
0: I bet they make more staff revenue off those old holdout devices than they'll make off of classic sales. But, um, yeah, like, I, I just don't get it. I don't, like, to be honest, I think, like, and especially the way that the classic is talked about in presentations and things like that, I think the classic is this thing that Chen, it's a carrot that he dangles around to, to garner attention because it's a piece of hardware. It's that familiar BlackBerry story. And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, pay attention to me for a minute. Here's the classic. Now, here's all these enterprise services because that's what's actually going to make the money." Um and I don't he I don't think we talked
2: about he... that before. I think yeah. when they announced the Passport, we were like it was kind of like a thing of like, "Oh, look over here. Look over here. Weird phone." Okay, now let's talk about what we actually give a shit about.
0: Yeah. And he he did that. He did that at the event again. Um Obviously, just teasing out some some pricing details. Although he d- he also did he did like, hey, here's a red passport coming this Christmas. Boop, boop. I don't know. It's it's a cool presentation style. It's working for them, but um, you know, they're not. They don't get. People will cover the hardware. They won't cover the the partnership with Salesforce. But like, that's more important at the end of the day. Yeah, and line.
1: I I think that was uh, why. Our buddy uh, Jeff Gadway spent so long talking about Blend yeah. at the Passport launch because I think Blend, and we've spoken about this before, is really the big the big talk point here. You know, um, they've come out with a lot of interesting cloud software that's backed by the you know patented BlackBerry security mm-hmm. story, and that's really interesting because they're sort of doing what Microsoft's doing is that they're expanding beyond the BlackBerry ecosystem while making sure that the BlackBerry name is in as many pots as possible. Yeah, the touch you know?
0: points don't matter. It's all about the services because they're going to secure the 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 data as best they can. And if you want the most secure, use our BlackBerry devices. But it seems like it's like a a more thoroughly thought out Dropbox,
1: you know? Yeah, I mean, they've also been about, you know, provisioning, right? Like once... Once you have a Bez box set up, it's fairly easy to control dozens of devices. And, uh, you know, they've come out and said many times, like, we, our our competitors, Mobile Iron and and Juniper and and all of those ones, they all come out, they all say, like, BlackBerry's too expensive and they, we do what they do for half the cost. And we have way more devices that we can, that we're compatible with. BlackBerry's now reached the point where they can say, we can control basically every device on the market. We are maybe more expensive, but you're getting better value for your money. Yeah. And our premium and service is amazing. Like, you know,
0: yes, their competitors say that they charge too much, but then everyone who uses Bez is like, I, I love it. Like, they don't necessarily have to win over the IT admins. They have to win over other people. And in the past, it was an issue where you're like, oh, hey, you have to use Bez 5 and Bez 10. And now it's like Bez 12 is the hub for everything. Um, and I think yeah, and if you work don't want to
1: set up a box, you can just buy CloudBez or whatever it's called. CloudBez.
2: They need to work on their naming. You guys are whiffing and flopping well, all these that, names.
1: I mean, let's let's be fair. There are far too many products now. It's all yeah. it's always like work life
0: for BlackBerry or BBM. It's either BBM something or something for BlackBerry. <laughs>
1: yeah. Also, it's the Friday bits that come
2: before and after that that we have the problems with. It's yeah. the somethings that we have the problem
1: with. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm looking on their site now. They have solutions, enterprise mobility management, EMM. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have identity and access, regulated industries, communication and collaboration. They have BES 12, secure workspace, BBM protected, BBM meetings, BlackBerry blend, mm-hmm. enterprise identity, VPN authentication, work life, secure, services and support. So like it's pretty confusing. But if you're an IT manager, you probably already know most of this. So, yeah,
0: you don't care. You don't care about like the the sexiness of the utility is a thing, not the name.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it does make it hard to kind of get up, be like, oh yeah, work life, or like BBM, ID- BlackBerry identity, but like that it just doesn't matter. They're gonna make money. That's that's the thing.
1: You know what's interesting here is that they're differentiating. So I'm looking at their subscription pricing. They have two. They have silver and gold, mm-hmm. and silver is differentiated from gold by having secure access on iOS and Android. So all BlackBerry devices are have secure access, secure container, secure browser. But the silver version of Be- Bez 12 for iOS and Android does not have secure connection. Hmm. It just has mobile app management and yeah, a- device so, management.
0: So basically you're paying to run data through their knock. Yeah, I think, or use whatever wrapper that they have now to allow non blackberry devices to communicate with their their NOC. um and there's obviously a cost associated with that previously they would they would that would be the the thing that they would charge carriers which carriers would then pass on to customers um for blackberry devices like they would they would make their money off of a a phone sale they'd make their money off of the nine dollars a month charge every month for access for that blackberry to travel on their networks and now they've extended that out um so yeah, so they gold that up. And then I also think there's tiers within the, the silver and the gold for the premium support, which is like uh, double the price or like fifty percent fifty percent more, sorry, not double the price. Um, but you know, we, we did an interview with the guys, uh the Formula One uh team that uses that was using Bes 12 and they say like their premium support like they're it's not just like, Hey, this is broken, can you fix it? It's like we need to migrate 12 servers and these programs into this thing. They're like, okay, we'll, we'll tell you how to do that. We'll do it with you. And maybe we'll help build a tool for the migration process. Like th- right. that in the enterprise world, that's the sexiest thing possible for an IT admin.
1: Yeah. It, but it's not the sexiest thing to talk about on, on a podcast. So no, nope. um, let's, let's talk about, uh, Samsung. Cause they also had a, a bit of a developer focused week, But they're also launching a few consumer products. The Gear S launched today uh, in Canada for $399. And if you're not familiar with the Gear S, it's Samsung's Tizen-powered, cellular-powered smartwatch. Yes, this is a cellular-enabled smartwatch that connects to a data network. Mm -hmm. Now, why would you need that when you're going to have a smartphone in your pocket? Well, Samsung says you don't need a smartphone in your pocket with the Gear S. It just works, you can stream music, you can uh, track your runs, you can do a bunch of stuff that your phone wouldn't allow you to do, or that you wouldn't allow, your smartwatch wouldn't be able to do without your phone ordinarily. Uh, it comes with a GPS, a heart rate monitor, compass, barometer, so all the, all the good stuff. But $400 is a lot of money.
2: It really is. And that's it's not including whatever amount. friggin' wearables contract you're going to be signing.
1: Yeah, I mean that's another point that it's it's going to be interesting, right? Because you know, the carriers have been pushing these share plans, and we don't know exactly what they're going to they're going to do when they see these connected devices on their network. Are they just going to add them to your share plan like a tablet, so an extra five or ten bucks a month? Um, I don't know. Well,
0: so uh, yeah, has there been any indication um, that they're they're going to pursue kind of what AT and T is doing in the U.S.?
1: Not yet but they're probably i mean it's inevitable right cuz this is just the first of many connected smartwatches and other wearables yeah i don't know i, I like i it's
0: hey uh, tizen 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 uh tizen lives it lives on your it lives on your wrist that's cool um but to be honest i i think their other announcements were more interesting even if they're familiar
1: yeah um, well, the, the other interesting thing is the advanced S Pen, which is double the sensitivity of the former one that comes with the Note 4, has tilt and rotation control. Uh, this is going to be good for people making, you know, for, who really take advantage of sort of the creative aspects of their Note devices.
2: How much does it cost? Have they said that, talked about that yet?
1: No, they just kind of glanced over it in the keynote. Um, I, I, signed, uh, I
0: signed for a cab last night using Square mm. and an S-pen on a, on a note. Cool. It's, we're living in a fablet world, so now we need hyper-powerful pens. And I'm a fablet girl.
2: We are living in a... <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, moving on.
1: That looked really good with your green headphones on, by the way.
2: I was really excited. I was like, it's a Madonna reference. Anyway. <laughs>
1: We can add those more often if you want.
2: Well, just any kind of sing-along references would be good.
1: Okay, all right. Um, maybe we should
0: re- maybe we should throw them in a post and see if <laughs> our readers recognize all the references. Um,
1: the other thing that they announced was Flow, which is basically continuity for Samsung devices. Mm-hmm. What the hell is Samsung doing, trying to do cloud services? I know that they want to be a platform company and not a hardware company, but what like? I can foresee nothing going right with this with this move. Well, I what do you foresee going wrong with it? Just I mean, Samsung's never really been a company that works well in the cloud, right? Like they've all of their hubs and their own kind of cloud based solutions have not really taken off. They've they've just been boring. You know, they have a lot of those group share things where you can share a song between several Samsung devices there was always uh, latency problems with it. Yeah. Um, you know, they've, they've taken, like, they, they have that all-share thing where you can quickly share content between Samsung products. They really try to push that when their smart TVs launch because they want people to be able to push content to their TVs. This is interesting, and I think it could be really cool if developers, um, you know, integrate it. But like the S Pen SDK, it's been a little bit slow on the uptake. Um, yeah, okay, so it's 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 the problem that Samsung always have. Samsung re- really puts a lot of
0: importance on, hey, the more Samsung-y stuff you have, the more you win. It's like lotto. Um, but the problem is, is that people might have a, a Samsung phone, but then no other Samsung things. Uh, and developers are less than likely to take the time to integrate this when they can just wait for... Uh, Google to introduce it into Android as a whole so they don't have to you know, thin slice out a certain number of devices. I do think that there are some cool features in there, like when um, you can schedule reminders for tasks and things that will only pop up when you're using the right device. So it, it won't be like, call mom when you're on your tablet. It'll do that when you have your phone up and live, um, things like that. I, I think they're taking a little bit not necessarily farther, but a little bit more evolved than what Apple has done so far. But, like, again, you know, Samsung wants to be this thing that it's not. It wants to be taken seriously as a platform, and it's not. It's it's a reskin of Android.
1: Look, I, I think Android, I mean, sorry, Samsung's always been very ambitious with this kind of stuff. They They launch new services and products with gusto, mm-hmm. and they advertise the shit out of them and Mm -hmm. they give you six months free. But eventually people don't use them and they obfuscate them or they disable them completely. You know, they made a big deal about being able to buy your own music and your own movies on the Samsung hub and then less than two years later they shut those down. The Samsung, you know, the app store is now Galaxy Apps and is basically devoid of any
0: valuable valuable content. content. Yeah, and they were really playing up health at the developer conference the other day and like, how's that going for them? I, I was... There was two health apps that I could use in the Samsung store with their health app when I reviewed the Alpha. And that was a month and a half ago, like two
2: apps. And didn't you also, have, like, you, I, I read that review and you, you didn't exactly enjoy your experiences when you were using those apps because you were like, oh, everything requires like a lot of user input.
0: Well, no, so no, the thing was is you can uh, input your own personal health information, but then that's just a notepad like if you're if you're writing it down which then allows you to read it it's it's not an application it's just a, yeah, a digital piece of paper
2: sure.
0: um so if you don't have apps connected into it um where they're dumping the information then it's yeah. it does it's like the same thing with Microsoft with with their health they're they're trying to get everyone to use their APIs like for any device just be totally agnostic so they can collect the information, but Samsung yeah. only does it for Samsung stuff, which and that's the isn't... thing. So
2: they got this this SIM band thing, and it's their like their focus. Their, it's their really big push for developers for fitness and health. Yeah, and it's this whole like, you know, they've got like a development kit for, it, and it's this piece of hardware. It's like rigged out with sensors at the wazoo problem is, is that all roads lead to Tizen at the end of the day. Like, it's not going to be like someone can. There's not going to be the same level of integration that you have with Android Wear. So even yeah. if they tricked out they've got this like tricked out piece of like um this prototype and it's I don't know yeah
1: okay i I, I i see that but at the at the same time android wear is a right now barren landscape of yes. potential right if samsung can create a really great integrated platform that where your samsung phone talks to your samsung smartwatch and relays that dat- data properly to your you know other Samsung ecosystems. I mean, that's the reason that Apple has become so successful. People don't want to leave that ecosystem because there's so much value there. I don't see Samsung introducing something um, anymore. I mean, they, they. I don't think they're just going to give up on their health push. No, health is so important. To so many they... companies.
2: I think uh-huh. they've got like. I think my point is that they've got they've got the guts of what could be a really awesome. Ecosystem, but the problem at the same time is, is that it's not Apple and it's not Android. So a lot of people are just going to be like, "Oh, well, that's Samsung only." So I don't have a Samsung phone, or I don't want to buy a Samsung
1: phone. Yes. So, so there's so many people it. do have Samsung phones. It's still the number one Android platform by far. Okay, but
2: yeah, but it's Android platform. Not they're not buying it because it's Samsung. They're buying it because it's Android. Well, they might buy it no, because they're, it's they're Samsung.
1: not. They're 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 that's they're totally buying it because it's Samsung. Most people don't even. I'm not sorry. Some people don't even know that they're buying an Android phone when they buy a Galaxy. Yeah, but yeah.
2: that's because they can't distinguish between the Samsung experience and the Android experience.
1: Right, yeah. but that's because Samsung has done all they can to make sure that when somebody thinks of an Android phone, they think of Samsung.
2: Yeah, but then now they're going towards developing an ecosystem that isn't Android, it's something else. So people are going to look at it and be like, oh, this is not...
0: This is Yeah, this is even less than the thing. But okay, so, so I get what Samsung is trying to do. I know they have a vested interest in not just being you know, the icing on top of Google's cake. And your point about, you know, Apple's network effects and ecosystem is well taken, but Apple didn't start with all those services and then sell a lot of hardware. They sold a shit ton of hardware and then which allowed them to have those network effects of people buying in, like, you know, being 1% of uh, all of transactions at certain company X within a week of introducing... Apple pay because there's so many iOS devices they can do that if Samsung wants that to happen you can, like the 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 software features that require a robust ecosystem are not going to lead to the device sales that will generate the robust ecosystem, especially when if i'm an Android developer, I might know that there's a, a junk ton of Samsung devices out there, but I need to support the platform as a whole so if Samsung's doing something that is exactly the same as Google is doing, but with, with S in front of it, um, or something that get, uh, Google's going to get to in six months, I'm not going to waste the resources. I'm going to go with Android Wear because then I have to build it once and it goes across all Android devices. So, you know, it's they're in a really tough spot.
1: Yeah, but on the flip side of that, you you talk about Apple being a hardware company. Samsung has here you know until now been a hardware company and they're still very much making their money from mobile devices Mm -hmm. and that's not going to change anytime soon you know apple makes a little bit of money from from the app store and from developers in general but not much compared to their iphone profits samsung has the volume i mean they're they sell more devices than apple does and they have the brand recognition the galaxy brand is probably more well known than android And that's why you see so much Android marketing right now around Lollipop. You see Android, um, you know, advertisements and billboards and on, on, you know, bus shelters and stuff. Mm -hmm. I was in New York yesterday, and the the new Android campaign was everywhere. And that's because Android, Google is trying to reclaim some of that recognition away from Samsung. Yeah.
0: And Um, also the OS is now ready for primetime, right?
1: Well, a lot of people would argue that it was ready for prime time a long time ago um by prime time i mean moms mom time
2: home time it's right ready for oprah yeah
1: but samsung has been trying to get oprah. their devices in the hands of moms and oprah's for many for many years and i mean they've done a decent job uh you know going back to my streetcar um you know purview, i look around and i see galaxies and i see Uh, iPhones. You know, generally, that's what I see. And and the market share stats back that up.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's not like Samsung's doing anything wrong. It's just a matter of timing. It's not 2007 anymore. Like, if Samsung had released a great Galaxy phone around the same time as the iPhone on its own platform, they might be in this position. But it's like when you have the, when the when the the field is laid out, when the 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 chessboard is like set up, it's it's very. You have to be doing something so much better to to defeat that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean Samsung's in an impossible position. They have no choice but to try to build the services yeah. on top of Android and and try to bypass Android as much as possible. So t- Tizen exists for a reason. Yeah, but they're never going to get rid of Android, and I think that they need to understand that. Um, you know, developers are going to support Samsung devices first because they're the highest market share. But they're not only going to support Samsung devices. So, but they're going to support you know,
0: Samsung you, devices as Android devices, not Samsung as its own platform. I think right. if, they, if they can do something so crazy with their with their wearables, that then Tizen gets like a significant percentage. Like if they can make like Tizen an amazing. Wearables platform that like just dominates what Android Wear can do. Ma- that that's an opening because no one's the wearables is like just beginning, but it's yeah, not going to be
1: phones. I don't think you need a million apps on a wearables app store. I think if Samsung can get the partnerships it needs to make ten great, uh, uh, whatever Tizen for wearables apps. Like they partnered with Nokia for hear maps on on their gear s they have a uh, line doing uh, a partnership with you know for im if they can get the right partnerships they don't really need to worry about volume so well, it's
2: partnerships and compatibility right yeah
1: yeah like daniel you're making the argument that everyone
0: who's not google or apple has made and they've all been wrong
1: but what i'm saying is that you know, Android Wear developers—they—they don't have—or Android developers don't have to do anything to make their apps compatible with Wear, but at the same time, you—you you, they still have to do a lot of work to make their apps good on Wear, and you don't want—you don't want apps on your on your smartwatch. You want experiences on your smartwatch. Yeah. And I don't think that you know the number of apps available for Android Wear right now is while the the number may seem high there may be you know ten thousand or a thousand or whatever it is most of them don't do anything they just mirror the notifications from your from your smartphone um you know samsung has an opportunity here as you said the the, the market is nascent it's it's still being explored and i think tizen is is not bad i mean it's i've, I've used the the gear the gear 2 i think it's a decent smart watch it has potential and you know the Gear S seems like it's an, a much better version of that smartwatch experience. So you know Flow could be another form of that, right? They could they could use Flow to make make it possible to start something on your smartwatch, continue it on your smartphone or tablet, and then go you know complete yeah. the circle. But
0: if it if it only becomes good after you've decided to buy all the Samsung things, it's not a thing that goes and makes you want to buy Samsung things. They they need to release stuff that's like, holy crap, that's so good, I'm going to go out and buy Samsung stuff to use that and then you'll have a room full of Samsung stuff and then you'll see network benefits. But if it's like, if you if you live in a Samsung world, all of this is great, how do you get people to to be there? I don't, I don't know. It's going to no, be... No, it's true
2: and, and after there's that argument with the Apple Watch too, I know a lot of people who are like, oh, I want to get the Apple Watch, like, is it going to work with my Android? And I'm like, no, absolutely not. And they're like, Maybe I should get an nice iPhone then.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and so. And I was like, "Well, so you Sam, can just so... get an
2: Android Wear watch." And they're like, "No, I don't want what you have. I want the Apple Watch." And I'm yeah. like, "Okay, well." So maybe, maybe
0: if they go out and make a a five hundred dollar Gear S. Or a five thousand
2: dollar Gear. Yeah.
1: Or a $50,000. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what was the report? The gold plated one was going to be
2: like. I think it's like five grand.
1: Five to five to ten grand. Five to ten, okay. Um, so, not
2: bad. Daniel, you'll get us review units, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Totally.
0: We are not giving that back. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're selling it and we're going on a team vacation in Mexico. What
1: we're well, we're, we're going to melt it down and then <laughs> yes. make mobile syrup branded necklaces out Grills. of it. Grills. Yeah grills yeah even better (laughs) readers might not know that we also bought cash for gold (laughs) yeah we are we're actually john oliver in disguise oh Um, that guy i buy your jewelry
2: (laughs) (laughs) he's a south african jewel he's the pride of your nation right
1: he is certainly that everybody hates him really oh yeah they're super embarrassed by him
2: i'm shocked
1: um, what else you know, have we got? You know what we weren't shocked about—that the Lumia 535 is a piece of crap. <laughs> um, the first Lumia device from Microsoft is a low-power, low-cost Lumia that we've seen before. It's got a five-inch QHD display, one gig of RAM, blah blah blah, five megapixel. Doug's sleeping. You no, think we um, would I'm have
0: sleeping? It's it's like I feel like
2: It's a horror show.
0: It's like. It's like Nokia slept with their girlfriend and they're going to do whatever they can to just piss on that prank. Like, like why? Like, well, who? Like, come on.
2: No, I think it's just stupid that it was like they looked at their calendar. Like, from. Like, they had the Nokia. They acquired Nokia's calendar. Mm-hmm. And then they had a calendar for marketing that was like, oh yeah, and then in November, we're going to switch from Nokia Lumia to Microsoft Lumia. And then they just were like, yeah, and then we should just release that shitty phone right after. Like, they just didn't change anything. They didn't look at their change in branding and say, it might be a good move for us to release a significant device after we do that branding change. It's or almost as if wait.
0: Steven
1: Elop isn't good at his job. It's,
2: it's almost as if Steve Ballmer made this acquisition decision.
1: It's, it, it, uh, both of those things may or may not be true. Yes. Yeah, guys, anyway. guys named Steve um hey
0: daniel you wrote about this didn't you nokia making a comeback
1: yeah sort of um they're thinking about getting back into the consumer smartphone market Uh, i'm not sure how that would work but um (laughs) the nokia awkward (laughs) powered by tizen yeah
2: the nokia kin microsoft's not using that anymore
1: Ooh, remember migo Oh. oh, I like the N nine. The N nine was a good phone. Ramigo. Ramigo. Um, oh, I just like,
0: you know how we were talking about. It seemed like BlackBerry was really focused and delivering, and had all their ducks in the row. Starting from yeah. Samsung, and then just trending downward. We've gone to companies who are obviously in the midst of schizophrenic changes in their strategy and at least you know at least samsung's like whatever we're in it to win it even if it takes 10 years tyson's gonna be a thing versus oh yeah we're not in this anymore oh now we're gonna buy it back oh now we're gonna make this no more phones we're all we're all mobile and cloud <laughs> it's just it's just it's it's tough to see a company running in one way and then trying to stop going over the cliff <laughs> before it can run back yeah
1: like in those cartoons
0: yeah it's a tough thing to turn a company in a different direction there's a lot of inertia there um and when you're running in serpentine patterns
1: well then the wally coyote known as nokia is isn't there a point where
2: a big anvil comes and falls on the entire smartphone strategy and just like they start again
1: that was the burning memo burning platform memo
2: and then it happened exactly like it does in the cartoon, in which the like the anvil moves, and whatever was stuck under it comes out all bent out of shape and shitty, <laughs> and then has to continue on.
1: I like that we took that analogy to the bitter end. Who's roadrunner in this situation? What meet me.
2: Who's the roadrunner? Mm.
1: Um.
2: Would the roadrunner uh, be Steven Elop because he's sly?
1: Well, he keeps finding a way to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> Who's what's that Finnish company that was born out of ex Nokia employees that released that really weird smartphone Sailfish? Oh yeah, Sailfish. Yeah, God bless. That's the uh, that's the OS. There's a lot of good people uh, that
0: worked at that company who did some really great things. It's just it's just tough. Do we have do we got some non-depressing news that we want totally, to totally
1: yes? So, um, Wind is in talks with Videotron about expanding. So sorry, Videotron is in talks with Wind about expanding outside of Quebec. Um, (laughs) I think this is good news. I mean, they've been talking about this for a while, but it could 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 happen now. Um, The CFO from Videotron said that he's been in talks with Wind's new backer, West. uh, What's it called? Uh, The name's escaping me. Uh, Westlake, I believe. And um they are talking to everybody about everything, so they're waiting for the government to decide on CRT uh, on the domestic roaming thing. But uh it'll it'll happen eventually, I think next year. Mr. Handsome the... Face CEO is making stuff happen. Oh yeah. Who's this?
2: Wind dude, right?
1: No, he's not the CEO anymore. He's the chairman. Chairman Chairman of the Handsome? Chairman Handsome. <laughs> chairman handsome. <laughs> yeah. I got to shake his hand once. Oh.
2: Awesome. Did he get we, some of his handsome on you?
1: I, I, did you, look did at you me, walk obviously. away feeling more confident? Okay.
0: Well I'm gonna say this like, on the podcast because we we never remember and then after the podcast we're like, what should we call it? This podcast must be named either Chairman Handsome or a
1: guy's name Steve.
0: Or at least those <laughs> two names are in the poll position.
1: <laughs> Alright. Okay. We should have a live vote next time on the name of the podcast while we're potting.
2: Yeah, we should. Um, what else we got on here?
1: Uh, well, Taylor Swift still a moron. Swift, your oh. post though not moronic. Your post had huh? you you would say seventeen Taylor um, Swift okay. puns.
2: Okay, so when this came up, I said, "Please, can I do it? I'm going to use all the Taylor Swift puns." And Daniel was like, "How many can you really fit in there?" And I was like, "Oh, a lot, a lot." And then he said he would give me a full size chocolate bar of my choosing for every one that I fit in there. Which is why it was riddled with Taylor Swift quotes. Um, uh, but yeah, fifteen in total. After the so two, we, that Daniel vetoed.
1: We argued. We argued that there were fourteen at the end.
2: Hmm. Um, I'll count them.
1: But uh, <laughs> either way, I'm gonna go broke buying you chocolate bars.
2: Yeah, you're going to the poorhouse.
1: That's okay. I'll have. You'll be some in the bread well.
2: line, and I'll be like swimming in kick Kat chunkies.
0: <laughs> I don't think anyway. you'll be swimming at all. I think you're gonna sink like a <laughs> chocolate-covered stone.
2: <laughs> In a diabetic fit. Anyway. Um,
0: okay, yes. Why? so why is Taylor Swift dumb? I think she's totally right. And I love that she keeps swinging back when Spotify uh, makes uh, BS sure, her argument press is announcements good. about the total mo- amount of revenue released when... her
2: She's dumb because her argument is good, but the way she... Like, her point is basically what I think it is, is that she's like, hey, like, they're not given me enough money they're not like adequately compensating me for my work so i'm gonna pull my stuff off there which so is fine
0: where's the blonde where so where's the You're blonde shaming is what you're doing
2: no i'm not that's fine she can say that if she wants to but the way she's framing her argument is streaming is stupid and streaming is bad and streaming is the same as going into an art gallery and tearing a piece off a painting when she still has her content on many other streaming services that probably are compensating her adequately no
0: it's they're down now they've been pulled from RDO and stuff.
2: Had a no,
1: they there. haven't. RDO still has all of her back catalog. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think here, mm-hmm. I think what we we need to differentiate between is Taylor Swift as a businesswoman and Taylor Swift as an artist, because I think yes. as an artist she wants as much of her music heard by as many people as possible. Yeah. I think she said that before, and as a result of that, she experimented with with streaming. What, what frustrates me about this whole thing is that Taylor Swift is, is an aberration. She earned more money from, in one weekend from her new album sales than most artists will see in their lifetime from the same. And streaming is not about the Taylor Swift. It's about the small-town artists who don't really have a venue for distribution, who need every cent that they can get from multiple streams... And this makes it easy for them to put their stuff on there and be heard.
2: Right. And, and,
1: you know, that's important.
2: It is important. But, like, Doug's point was it's fine to say, well, Taylor Swift makes a filthy amount of money and she doesn't need any more. But the problem is is that you have many other small artists on Spotify and the like who are getting paid a pittance for their work. And it's just, just because Taylor Swift has the volume to make it a lot of money doesn't mean that other artists who don't have the volume are, are making money.
1: Yes. But she was also arguing that same thing for other artists that they're yes. not making enough money either. So
2: that's her argument and that's fine, but she she doesn't need to be pissing and moaning about how streaming is bad and streaming is not the answer. Streaming is the answer as long as you can negotiate a good deal.
1: Well, so that's the thing. They they said that and I think it's not she's pissing
0: using... and moaning that's negotiating and I think there is a bit of uh, uh...
1: She's
2: not negotiating.
1: We, we don't know that. I mean, this could be the Amazon hatchet thing all over again, right? They're doing this publicly to get people on one side or another, right? But Daniel Ek came you, out and yeah. said that he wants people to understand the way that streaming works. It's not the same business model as going into a store and buying a CD, right? There's no overhead there. Yeah. They pay as much to the artists as they can with the amount of money that they get from subscription right there's still it's a, it's a growing industry you know these comp these artists need to stay with them because what's the downside to them right like you're limiting i i know broken bells for example released four songs of their new album earlier this, this year on streaming sites to encourage people to buy the rest of the album that is bullshit what it did was it got me to download the album illegally cuz i really? heard the first four songs well, and i was like that's ridiculous. I think
0: people need to change their attitudes then because, like, hey, here's free music, and if you like
1: no, it, you can buy it, it on this but album. That's not
2: it, I, I was agree. paying
1: for RDO, it's not free music. That's not,
2: yeah, and that, I agree because what's stopping me from going out and buying Taylor Swift's album, <laughs> leaving aside that my taste in music is obviously questionable, but it's the fact that, okay, what am I going to do? Open iTunes and, and buy it, or, or go into a shop and buy a fucking CD? God forbid. But then my problem is, is that I'm like, no, I listen to all my music on streaming services. All of it. I don't want to open up another app or, like, like launch iTunes or rip it from a CD just, just for that one album.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh,
0: okay, so then you're living in a world where the music... They are the people who make the music that you really enjoy, don't have enough to live on, and, or you're, like, stealing. So... It, like if the convenience
1: factor. No, is... No, because
2: I'm more than happy to go and see them play a show and buy their T-shirts and buy their merchandise.
1: Yeah, this is a legal business model, Doug. Yeah, this it's is not, not like I'm. This, this not is not something like that the, the artists, off. the artists embrace this. The no, artists no, no, no. want their music on. There. I I'm,
0: I know that the streaming part is legal. I know. I said yeah. the the other alternative is illegal. And yeah, yeah, which is why I won't yeah, do that. So now them. I'm just
2: sitting here 1989less, wishing I knew what the rest of the album sounded like.
0: Yeah. So you also go to shows. And you maybe buy some merch. Like, the percentage of money that artists who are not Taylor Swift make from that is either enough to pay for the trip, the tour, or certainly not enough to live on. So, I I just think we have to be more honest about the way that we...
2: The U2 360 tour made $736 million dollars.
0: We're really talking about you 2 and Taylor Swift and like talk about Grizzly Bear. Talk about any, talk about any Canadian artist who who, I'm not saying
2: that, no, like traveling across this country touring
0: is is, like the most expensive proposition in the goddamn world. Like getting from Halifax to Vancouver, but they're still
2: facing the same problem that they were facing five years ago, which was falling album sales. People aren't buying CDs anymore.
0: Yeah. And now people aren't buying the albums at all.
2: I'm Let's, I'm paying for it. I'm I'm streaming. I you're I pay not for paying the artist
0: for it is the argument that they're making.
2: But then my point so, is is that it's not my fault. And Taylor Swift is making that about my fault. Taylor Swift is saying Spotify's a shitty company, so you have to go out and buy my album.
0: Well, it's like, weird so, that you would take that argument and make. See, see it as you. No, being the one that the persons is at fault. But like, if you. No, want but I don't know why she isn't that,
2: negotiating something with Spotify. That's what I don't understand. She
0: is negotiating. When you how force is she negotiating? When she likens streaming okay.
2: services to tearing pe- to tearing paintings apart. When she's saying that the streaming service model doesn't work.
0: Because it doesn't. That's not a
2: negotiation. That's publicly slamming the entire like platform and saying that it's not worth it for her.
0: Uh, which is a negotiation. You know why? Because the company A wrote an open letter. Asking her to come back. And then B, the CEO has responded directly. <laughs> like, that's a negotiation. And she's one of the few artists that can do it because she can move a million units of her new album in a weekend. Because every other artist below that level, if you're not U2, when you're not Taylor Swift, you're screwed. So, yes, yeah, streaming is bad. So then, why, for why are the likes
2: of Ed Sheeran and Ariana Grande doing like exclusive things like Spotify
1: because it's a new business model and they're trying to make it work and yeah. it's also a new way he, for people to hear their music that wouldn't have otherwise heard it is Ariana it Grande
0: in control of her business and career in the way that Taylor Swift is
1: well I don't think we know enough about each of them I don't, I don't think know I know enough Swift about Ariana Grande I just learned her how to business. say her name yesterday well writing an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal is a pretty direct move yeah, absolutely. But I mean, she's got good people behind her, making sure that she's doing business conscious things like yeah, that. For sure. So we are we are going to wrap up for this syrup cast. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening and for your allowance for us to extend our podcast for beyond uh, beyond an hour. We we did about almost two hours last week, and people were pretty pretty okay with it. So uh this one uh, I, I hope was uh as as uh I don't know fun to listen to as last week's. I think um, yeah. that was a high bar, but uh I think we, we did okay. Uh as always, thank you very much, Douglas. You are uh you are a gem among um the coal. <laughs> and uh Jane, you are the cutest <laughs> uh I green headphone wearing pc builder i've ever seen i'm On getting like podcast. that horrible
2: t- tightness like in my like in my jaw where my all the pressure is crushing my brain yeah but um, okay. but thank you well, and you are as ever fantastic and we do oh, not well, deserve you. you but please stay
1: i will i will be here always i'm just never going to hang up you guys can go you uh, that that is no you uh that <laughs> is our syrup cast for this week thank you everybody uh shout outs to all of you we don't have time for individual ones this week And uh, we will see you next week. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be.